Hello, welcome to podcast number two of Ruth Talks Food. Today we're talking with Ellen Kubo, my friend and fellow resident of LA's South Bay. Hello, Ellen. Hi. <laughs> How are you? You're not too far away from me, a few blocks <laughs> no, away. That's true. Yes, but I haven't seen you. You've been dropping off gifts on my doorstep. Um, yesterday, it was a wonderful uh, gift of Hiroset cookies that you made, and we are enjoying them. And uh, I think you're very creative. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for the hollow from the other week. Yes, which was before Passover. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I have I have part of a hollow frozen in my freezer right now. So for after <laughs> Passover. But right now, um, I did want to talk to you a little bit because you had put we had had some conversations online about what you made for Passover. And I wondered, first of all, was it a challenge this year to find ingredients since we're all uh, trying to stay out of grocery stores a fair amount, go in there, sell them. And there are some scarcities. Have you encountered some of that? Well, first of all, this year was also very different because it was the first one since 1986 that I've done a full Seder. And so, you know, usually we're guests at very large Seders. And so you're asked to bring one particular thing. So this was the first time where I had to think about doing everything. And even though it was just we had a Zoom Seder with my daughters, um, and I was only cooking for myself and my husband. Um, I wanted it was an, for me. It was an opportunity to try and experiment doing all the parts of the seder, so that next time, if I'm asked to bring for if we ever return to a larger seder, this way I'll have some practice on. Oh, I made gefilte fish, or oh, I made this. So that's also <laughs> how it was different. You actually made gefilte fish, which I I'm made. very. Two different kinds of gefilte fish. Oh, Ellen, you're amazing. I mean, (laughs) and most people don't make it. I will tell you this. Maybe (laughs) my mother's mother made it, but I don't even think my mother did it. Most people get it out of a jar like Manischewitz. (laughs) And uh, that's true. But I, I think that you're... You're one of these people that, you know, you'll do a deep dive into something, which is so interesting. So you not only made one kind, you made two. Can you tell me a little bit about how you did that and what were the differences between the two? Okay, well, um, I've never quite understood the whole concept of when they talk about whitefish. Is that just a brand of fish or something along? Well, I was trying to figure out. I think it's a kind of fish, actually, and and I don't know if we we have it out here. I think it's popular and probably prevalent or more easily available on the East Coast. That's a, but I don't absolutely know about that. Yeah, and so I don't remember seeing it. So when I was looking for recipes in advance, I was thinking to myself that I wanted to use things that were that I knew were I had seen around, and I had. salmon frozen in the in the refrigerator so I knew I had that uh, frozen in the freezer so I knew I had that and then so I was looking through various recipes and also um my record I didn't really want to make fish stock because a lot of fish stock um is made a lot of the recipes I've seen it says you know use shrimp shells and half of that was oh right not exactly kosher yeah yeah and not to mention you know Certain people in my family are allergic to sh- uh, shellfish, so I oh, kind of sure. wanted to make sure that, um, you know, in if I did something, I, I, it would adapt to the future as well. Sure. You know, I did oh, it myself. Okay. So yes. I was looking around the recipes, and I found one that um, uh, was from the New York Times, which used salmon and smoked salmon. Ooh, 
but sounds delicious. fish stock, you could use um, water and white wine. Ooh, yum. Uh-huh. So we had just, one of the things that I had gotten was, is I usually buy like a cheap bottle of wine and I mark it in the refrigerator as cooking wine, which I just use, you know, when you use, oh, just use, you know, quarter of the cup for deglazing a pan or something like that. Sure, sure. Absolutely. So I, yeah. So I figured I could try that one. Um, and then there was another one I saw where I really didn't want the smell of the constant smell of the uh, fish stocks or equivalent. So um, I found one, another recipe online, which was like uh, a halibut and salmon terrine. Mm, yum. Uh-huh. But I have all the recipes, but I knew even having them were going to be a, a lot. lot. Yes. But, yeah. Because it's just, even if you're doing a Zoom Seder, it's only you and Alan having yeah. having the meal, right? Yeah. And I wasn't yes. sure how the, how well they'd come out and how crazy he'd be about gefilte fish either. So I wasn't a little concerned about that. But in one of the comments on the Tureen one, it said something to the effect of, and that used halibut and salmon. And I've made things with halibut before, so I knew I could find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found it like pre you know, one of the, I knew I could use either. Fr- it's, there was a comment under the comment, somebody had written, yeah, I used it frozen because it was easier to find and it came out fine. So I thought, okay, that'll work. Um, and I found a prepackaged one. So that worked out well, um, a, like a week wow. in advance of, um, you know, one of those vacuum sealed packages. So sure. that worked. So out. How, how did they both come out? Did um, they, were you... One and in did the you... comments in the terrain one, it said, you know, somebody had suggested instead of making it in a terrine, she said, I, it was made so much. I looked at it and made half the recipe and I used a muffin tin. So I thought, Oh, that works. Um, that means I don't have to shape them or form them, you know, just use the cookie, sure. cookie That's scoop and wonderful. drop them in. Uh-huh. And, and a muffin shape would be good for, yeah. a, for, a, for a, a fish, you know, uh, gefilte fish, I think. Yeah. It's a perfect size. So I made that and I told Alan, my, I told my husband, which, you know, one is salmon and smoked salmon and the other one is halibut and salmon. And he thought for sure he would prefer the salmon smoked salmon one. And much to his surprise, he actually preferred the halibut salmon one that I'd made in the muffin tin. So that's far easier because that one goes in the oven. So that's the one that I'm, that's the recipe that I'm keeping. Oh, that sounds good. But well, was, you'll have you'll have to share it with us. Oh, yeah. But it was just one of those things where um, it was nice because of the fact that it was my opportunity to experiment this time. I normally wouldn't have done that. And wasn't it hard to get ingredients or did you have most of them at home? Um, I had bought a large piece of salmon early. There was one opportunity when I had to buy a large piece of salmon when I bought a lot of protein that I was going to freeze and I cut it up into individual portions and froze it. So I just defrosted that. So the salmon wasn't difficult. And because I had thought about the recipe, I'd looked up the recipes a week or two in advance of Passover. Um, when I had done one of my uh, shop limited shopping runs, I had looked specifically looked for the halibut, figuring if I saw it, I'd freeze it, but I saw this vacuum packed one. So that worked out perfectly. Oh, that sounds great. Is that how you're shopping these days that you're making lists and trying to go infrequently uh, uh, to the grocery? Um, I try. I um, What had happened was a month before all the restrictions came down, the freezer portion of my refrigerator died. So oh, I had that's to, not helpful. No. So I had to empty everything out and, you know, cook whatever was in the freezer at that time until I could get the freezer side repaired, which I did. But I had started, it had been empty. So I'd been starting to 
rebuild it. So I knew what was in there or what wasn't in there. So when it looked as if they were going to start, they were suggesting, you know, limited um, outside contact, I think I had done, uh, you know, a, a bulk run and gotten a lot of things and broken it up into um, freezable sizes or, you know, like sizes. Portions, sizes. yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I had sure. invested in a bunch of uh, silicone bags. And so I've uh-huh. frozen everything. So that was kind of ready. A lot of it was ready to go. So it was pretty much like when I was looking for the um, Passover things, it was pretty much more of an add-on. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's wonderful to plan ahead, especially, I mean, it's probably good in any situation, but given what we're facing right now, it's good to think ahead to meals you might make or what you might need. Yeah. And I keep a running mm-hmm. list of like when I... Uh, when I run down on something or I think I'm getting low um, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just running out and getting it, I just keep a list on the refrigerator. So sometimes if my husband's out for a walk, he'll say, Oh, well, I'm near Trader Joe's and there's no line. What do you need? So I just run over to the refrigerator list and say, Oh, if you can find the following things. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. I mean, I think we're all trying to figure out strategies for going to groceries when it's not the most crowded and, and as infrequently as possible. Yes. Pretty much. Yes. So, and what else did you have at your Seder? That sounds uh, ambitious with the gefilte fish. What else did you serve? Well, I did, I made the haroset and typically Mm -hmm. um, because uh, my younger daughter and I are both allergic to tree nuts. um, In the past, when she was little, I would make a kind of, corrosive it just for her to take places so she could participate and i'd make it with apples and dried strawberries and grape juice not wine mm. oh, okay um for them and so dried strawberries dried that stra- sounds delicious well it was wow. sweet so i knew she'd eat it uh-huh. yeah just just for people that may tune in and not know what corrosive is it's the sweet usually apple and nut or fruit and nut mixture that's supposed to look like the bricks or the mortar, actually, that the Jews used to build um, the pyramids, or I don't know if it was the pyramids, whatever it was, they built in Egypt when they were slaves, and it's part of the Passover Seder. But everybody in every culture makes it differently. My family made it with apple and uh, almonds, pretty much. Blanched almonds, uh, apple, grated apples, and wine pretty much. This, so. Yeah, this year, um, last year, I had tried one that um, our rabbi made, and it was really good. So I asked uh-huh. for the recipe, and it was in a, a cookbook that I had. But when they had made it, they said, because so many people that they know are allergic to nuts, they automatically leave out the nuts. And it was kind of like, oh, great. But this one was apples and bananas and dates. Oh, oh, that sounds delicious. And it was really good. It's just, it's impossible what? even having it. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> still makes a lot of roast that when the recipe says three cups, you don't really need that much. Oh, so even one and a half yes. cups was a lot. Are you allergic to coconut? No. Okay. Cause I made one this year that was a little different. I kind of made it up. Um, it did have nuts, but you, if you left out the nuts, I also added coconut and dates, apples, a little bit of orange, um, rind and juice and grape juice. And it was really quite delicious. And it would be the coconut I toasted and it gave it a really nice flavor. Yeah, it would give it a nice so texture a, too. Yeah, it did. And it would be quite good um, 
you know, I mean, if you, and would be fine without nuts. Well, I also made matzo ball soup, but I made scallion ginger matzo ball soup. Oh. Um, mm. Because it was from a, um, a girl meets farm Malier recipe uh-huh. um, where she kind of, you make the chicken stock and add it. it um, the chicken soup part is made with scallions and uh, pieces of ginger and soy sauce. The flavor of the sauce. Mm. So it has has a bit of an Asian twist yes. there, I guess. And right? the uh-huh. matzo balls are made with um, scallions in them too. Oh, so how was it? Was I it liked it because it was a little different. I don't think my husband was that crazy about it because I think he prefers a much more traditional soup. Sure, um, sure. But it was also it, an it, opportunity for me to use my instant pot, which I'd never really used before. <laughs> yeah. So I use that and how did- stock. And how was that? Did that work out well for you? Yes, it's a lot easier. It's not as quick as I might have thought it was because there's a lot of time for it to come up to pressure and then there's a lot of time for for the pressure to release. But um, what I liked about it is because it's sealed, it doesn't smell up the whole house the way it tends to do when I use the uh, slow cooker. Sure, sure. I actually made mine also in us in uh, instant pot this year, and I was quite pleased with the results. Um, I, again, you're right; it, it it still takes a fair amount of time just because it has to get up to pressure and then has to cool down and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I found what I liked about the instant pot uh, for making chicken soup is that I thought the vegetables I added weren't as um, they were much more edible. You know, they weren't completely mush. They somehow kept their shape. And, uh, and I like that. Well, I'm going to be trying, I found a really small brisket, um, a three pound Uh one. So I wasn't going to make brisket for the Seder, but I picked it up. It's vacuum sealed. So I'm going to try it in the, uh, instant pot either today or tomorrow and see how that comes out. Uh Well, you'll have to let me know how that goes. I will. And and then I also tried Molly for dinner, which we kind of didn't get to because we were working up with an East Coast timing. Um, oh, sure. Where, where? Just tell me where your where your daughters. Uh, my now? daughters live just in Washington D.C., so we were dealing with a three-hour time difference, and both of them also still had to work the next day. So we did it at four o'clock Pacific time, seven p.m. there, and we told them we'll eat afterwards. You can eat before. So it wasn't throwing people off too much. So we kind of did the Seder. Well, they had already eaten and we were going to eat later. So we kind of, kind of squished that meal part out. Yeah. And did you do an actual Seder with yes, them? Yes. My husband put together a custom Seder. Everybody had assigned parts. Um, uh-huh. And we hit all the big parts except for the eating the meal. They did it first. We did it afterwards. Uh-huh. That's wonderful. Did you sing sing together and drink wine together? Absolutely. And all of that. Oh, and and how was that for you? Was that was that a nice experience? It really was because it, in normal situations, um, we would be with our friends. They would be with their friends, um, and we wouldn't celebrate together. And I think this was like the first time in maybe ten years that we've had a Seder with our younger daughter because she's always, she's been on the East, you know, through college, et cetera. She's been on the East coast. So that was nice. And, um, also it was the first time that we did it with, um, one of my daughter's fiance and the other one's boyfriend. So it was kind of nice that it was like all six of us, it was intimate, but it was a larger group. 
the same time. So that's the way we're living yeah. now. Everybody's doing things on Zoom. And uh, it's nicer than I thought it would be, too, because I connected with my three brothers via Zoom. And I thought, well, I wonder how this will be. But it was wonderful. It's just good to stay connected when you're stuck in your home, I think. Yes. So in addition to... Um, we never got quite, because of the fact that between the soup and the filter fish, we never quite got to the main course. I had made a, also from the Malier Girl Meets Farm, she'd done a spicy beef pie with um, oh. matzah as a yes. crust and then ground beef on the inside. Yes. But we never got to it. So the next day it was kind of dry because of the fact that it did kind of sat out and then I put it away and then reheated it. So I, I might want to try that again in the future just to see how it comes out when you you know, we eat it right away. Yeah. Yes. You know? And I also made a carrot apple sauce cake. Uh, oh, not one mm. of my favorites. And how, not, not one, one of my of favorites, favorites, but okay. I'd probably try and experiment and bake it a little longer than I did or play around with that a little bit. Do you find that cooking, I mean, because a lot of Passover desserts use things like potato starch, matzo meal, matzo cake meal, things like that. Do you find that that's a little challenging that some things don't come out as you would expect because of those kind of ingredients that you use in Passover well, cooking? Well, I screwed up. And I, first of all, I knew that in the past I've had trouble finding matzo cake meal. So when I saw it a couple of weeks ago, I grabbed it. And... Yeah, oh, okay. and I also grabbed a potato starch because I knew that one was frequently used in desserts. So I'd had that. And then um, what I did was, though, when I was making the cake, I guess I was distracted because it was the same time that I was doing the um, uh, gefilte fish. So instead of doing the, I think the recipe called for matzo cake meal and potato starch, because the matzo meal had been sitting out, I grabbed matzo meal and matzo cake meal and left out the potato starch. So I kind of screwed that one up. So it's possible <laughs> that the cake would have come out better if I'd used the ingredients I was supposed to. Well, I can tell you, I've used many ingredients that I was supposed to when things still didn't come out. So, uh, you know, I mean, it's like, I think, uh, I, I think, you know, I think it was Julia Child or somebody else that said, you you know, whatever it is, you eat your mistakes, you know, and just move on because uh, even very good cooks don't have everything come out right. And, and uh, you know, she was the queen of that. And I think, uh, you know, we can take inspiration from her and, and, and forgive ourselves. Don't you think during this time, though, I mean, I don't know if you're finding this, that sometimes you really may not have an ingredient and you may not want to go to a store anyway and that you just somehow make do with what you have. Have you found that you do that or, or not um, so much? I'm not that creative in terms of being able mm -hmm. to say, oh, I'll just substitute this for that. I'm a recipe follower um, and it takes a lot okay. before I'll kind of riff on something. So generally I'll just not make it. <laughs> Oh, okay. If you don't have the ingredients. Well, you know what? There's a lot of different ways to, to cook. And I think that, um, I know I've tasted several of your things lately. Um, you made these amazing black and white cookies. And then yesterday you brought us these terrific, uh, um, uh, Hiroset cookies, which, um, I thought were wonderful. Jeff particularly loved them and, and they had chocolate chips and Hiroset. It was a great uh, mixed oh. delicious. So, 
I don't think you have too many. Oh, I have quite a few. Ellen, it's so. like the time that I that uh, the cake slid off the uh, off um, the cake layer slid off the cake once and ended up on my floor upside down. I have a few of those. <laughs> and the time that half of my bunt cake got stuck in the pan, so I only had the bottom oh. half of the cake. I've had quite a few. Of those. Yes, I've had that one. Bunt cakes are particularly troublesome. I made a a bread that I, that I rose and it looked wonderful. I took a wonderful picture. I posted the picture and then I also couldn't get it out of the pan and had to actually slice it in half to take one part of it out. It was kind of not very pretty. So we've all had that happen, you know? So, um, well, listen, Ellen, I, I, I think it's wonderful to talk to you. I hope we can do this again. And, um, I hope uh, to link to some of the recipes that perhaps you can share with people that they might like to make. And um, do you have any advice to people that are are maybe not really, you know, finding the cooking, they're finding cooking challenging. Maybe they're not, you know, skilled cooks as you are. I wonder if you have any thoughts for people I like that. I wouldn't exactly call myself a skilled cook. I just kind of, as my, my mother would have said, you just kind of do it because you have to type of thing. And then right now it's mm -hmm. an opportunity to, to practice. Um, and I just take advantage of the fact that to a certain extent, it is an opportunity to practice. So if you find that you have certain ingredients, you always wanted to try it, it's a good opportunity to do it. So good. Well, uh, did you learn from your mother, by the way? Is that, was she a good cook? Um, my one of my grandmothers was an excellent baker. Um, my mother viewed cooking as something you had to do to get food on the table. She was quite good because I thought, but she viewed it, it wasn't something that I think she really enjoyed, unlike other relatives. She just kind of did it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but because she was my mother, right. and because that was what I was used to, I thought some of the things she made were really good. And and were you always interested in food, or is that sort of something that, you know, you came to and, and enjoy maybe now more than um, you did I growing up? I like baking. Um, because I feel it's more something that can be a hobby as opposed to regular food, which is sustenance. Um, but I don't have what some people have in terms of the taste bud where they can taste something and says, say, oh, this needs more salt or this needs more X flavor, or I can taste the subtle differences in here because it's got notes of X. I do not have that. Okay, but you're like still, you know, everybody, you're, there, there are so many different kinds of cooks. And I think, how about your daughters, by the way? Are they, are they, do they have the cooking gene? Are they interested in My it? My older um, daughter is a very practiced and good baker. And I think my younger daughter is more of the cook meal type, you know, she, main course. And she's quite, she's become quite good. So they oh, each have wonderful. their talents. Well, listen. Yes, they do. Well, listen, thank you very much for talking with me, Ellen. It was really fun and uh, um, happy cooking and baking. And uh, I'm with you on the baking. That's my favorite thing. So um, maybe sometime when this is uh, over, uh, we can bake together. That would be fun. I'm Ruth Stroud, and you've been listening to Ruth Talks Food. Thanks to Ellen Kubo for joining me on today's episode. If you have any questions about any of the things we talked about on today's show, contact me on Twitter where I'm at Ruth Talks Food. See you in the kitchen.